0: You're listening to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Morning Q and A portion of our Sunday service. At Watermark, we have a mission statement that says we want to build a generational community that flourishes in God conversations and the authentic love of Jesus. So, one Sunday, every teaching series, at least, we hope to model how to have these God conversations and uh, the Q and A that you're going to. Here is by no means an effort to prove that we are the Bible answer people. And uh, it's not stump a pastor. Actually, the aim is simply to give you a humble model for how to do this in the areas where you live, work, and play, how to thoughtfully and empathetically engage in a dialogue with your friends, neighbors, family, and co-workers. So having said that, we sincerely hope you enjoy. And if you have questions, feel free to email us at watermarkoc.com questions. Thanks again for listening
1: may have questions as I'm unpacked all that, gave you a lot of stuff. Ben's going to come up and we're going to try to answer your questions. Text them in now or raise your hands. Someone will bring you uh, the mic and we'd love to hear from you as we try to clarify and dialogue about this important issue.
0: It's awesome. Thank you, Bucky. We're going to need that table still, I think, sir. Yeah, we go. Thank you. Excellent. Man, so, so helpful. Thank you. <clears throat> we have questions already come in here, so just going to crack it open here. Dive right in. And if you're in the room, just raise your hand. Isaac Lee is here. He does so many things around here. He's also willing to hustle a microphone to someone. So thanks, Isaac. First question says, Bucky, um, does Watermark work to protect women in leadership? What is the approach Watermark takes to walk alongside women who have been deeply wounded by the church previously? Great question. I think those are two
1: questions. There's a general question would Watermark protect women in leadership? And I would say um, there's no distinction as far as we would see in terms of our protection of leadership. We have the same desire to protect, to empower, to encourage leaders, whether they're male or female. And a part of that protection would be equipping, we have leadership classes that we take our leaders through. I I lead a T2 leadership class. I lead a leadership class that are full of men and women. Ben leads a T1 leadership class, which is the preparation of eldership. And so we have a leadership pipeline where we develop leaders. We have accountability with leaders through our structure, so we're always reaching out to leaders, finding out how they're doing in their ministry, one-on-ones. Uh, we're even trying to define a deacon shepherding role, which would be an elder that would be over all the deacons, and their role would be just to support the spiritual life of all leaders, especially the deacons. And so, yes, we would want to protect and provide for anybody in leadership.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm, I totally agree. The answer is yes for both men and women. Uh, we, see, we've made an agreement as, as pastors and elders um, to do no harm. Also, by the way, We make that same oath, don't we? Maybe you've never heard a church leader say that. But we have the same level of commitment to both men and women. And so, yeah, if you've heard rightly, part of your question is, are you protecting women? Well, the message just says that this, quote-unquote, headship relationship is about protection, not power. So, yes, yes, vulnerable women in our midst, hurting and broken women in our midst, women who have been abused emotionally, spiritually, physically in our midst, 100%. And I would lead you to the, the theoretical thing, answer we've just given about leadership structure and organization. But I'd give you the practical example too. And we'd be happy to talk to you about our benevolence budget. You know, benevolence is this highfalutin word that really just means church financial aid. And we could show you how much of those dollars have been released for therapy and counseling. And support for people, men and women, who have been wounded and, and hurt and broken and in need. And so we're, we're, we're huge champions of both men and women leaders alike. Great question. And, and by the way, we, we sense how personal that question is. And uh, maybe we'll get into this, but I'm just sitting here taking notes, and I, and I can feel that someone's going to have a fence today. And even from some of the particular words that Bucky uses today. Maybe you're a woman and you hear, oh, we're here for support. Oh. <laughs> Almost like that's a concession. It's not. Maybe you hear the words T1, T2, oh, we're, we're second tier. It's not. It's not. I just want to give that kind of soft kind of just encouragement right at the onset. But I want to hear your questions too about offense. So if you have that, let's hear about it. Let's wrestle through it together. Second question. With the understanding that women are equally valued and empowered by God, how can we ensure the men in our lives, sons, friends, dads, brothers, understand and grow up understanding and acting on this fact? our empowering our, our daughters. So I'm not sure what the second follow-up is. Maybe question you can help us with that.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree that the church model and the family model are pretty much the same. And so the beginning of discipleship, as we always say, it starts in the family. And, and I think it's the, the role of mom and dad to provide a structure within the home where there is equal value, you know, totally. And so that begins at the beginning of discipleship, you know, the beginning in the family, equally valued mm-hmm. and then distinctly formed and to talk about that and what that looks like and to uh, train our children about what it means to lead in the church and lead in the family.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a book right now, I'm just gonna cite a quick resource as my answer and then we're gonna go to the crowd question, we see you there, uh, by John Tyson called Intentional Fathering. Intentional Father, Intentional Fathering, something like that, it's a quick, small little book. And the chapter I was just, Thumbing through this morning actually talks about his discipleship plan for his son. And and he's a high schooler, this teenage son. And it was about the second or third year in, and they're both getting tired. The dad doesn't have any more material to draw from. And the son's like, what are we doing at 6 a.m., dad? Why are you getting me up anymore? And he just asks his son the question, why do you think we're still getting up? And the son's answer was so telling. He said, to make me a good man. And and John Tyson, the father in this picture, he just kind of sinks. He's like, ugh. That's what you thought we were doing, huh? Just making another good man for the world? Which, what does that even mean? We don't even know what it means. So, like, use this resource and others to further unpack. We're not just here to, you know, release good little boys who go to church and dress nice. Or good little subservient girls who, who just are just praying just for the man to finally save them one day. That's not our definitions and categories for how to ra- raise men and women. So we have to have a more robust definition of what it means than just, I'm going to get a good little boy or just a good little girl that just gets good grades and, and graduates on time and goes to the right school. So we have to have a more robust definition for that. Oh, in, in person, sorry. Go ahead. Shannon.
2: Hi. Okay, I have a question, clarification on the deacons, like in reading um, out of 1 Timothy 3, it talks about the deacons and their qualifications. And then verse 11 says, their wives, like in my opinion, their wives, meaning the wives of the male deacons, likewise must be da 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 And then it says, verse 12, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children, their own households. So I guess reading through, it seems to be that deacons are male, that it, when it describes the women, it's specifically just describing the wives of the deacons.
1: Good, so can you I, clarify I, that? Yeah, yeah I would say in, in, in that same section, then it says, and the women, right? There's a there's a, there's a breakout for women.
2: No. If the women, it just says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but that's sober-minded.
1: Up. You guys get your Bibles out. Let's it's, do this together, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, this is if Bible we, study. My, if my, <laughs> my reading of the section is he talks, when you're talking about the deacon as a husband of one wife, mm-hmm. that's yeah. not saying that... Um, uh, it's just married men, because the next session it says, and the women. So I that's addressing see. married men yeah. as deacons, and then, the, and the women, there are individual women as deacons, that he has verses for them as well.
2: I just don't, in mine it only says, when yeah. it's talk about women, it only says their wives.
1: I think that's your translation, because that word women, and the women can mean wives, or it can mean men, women in general. So it, that's a translation. Issue that word "women" does not have to be wives; it can be women in general, uh, if my study is right. And so some translations say "and the women,"
2: so, so, like the, so that's some that's, of the wives. That's got a,
1: that's an interpretive bent uh-huh. already into the text, and that, that that word "women" can be interpreted as women in general, or it can be interpreted as wives.
2: So it would be the women of the male deacons are also deacons too.
1: Is that no? No, I think there's one section of Paul's thought where he's talking about married men. And then he's just talking about women, okay. women that are, that are just women in general.
0: Okay. So one, and to further the question, because that's a great specific text, Shannon, and we have to put on our, our, ourselves on the hook for reading the whole verse in context, do all that. That's one answer. Okay. A second answer directly from Bucky's message. This is a great practice for all of us. And Bucky showed it on the screen. He showed an example of Priscilla and Aquila, a husband-wife duo, doing real leadership work. Not just secondary or you know uh, you know second tier leadership. They're both discipling. They're both teaching. They're both offering instruction. And and then in the next one he says in a very specific context in this in this sun, in this service this worship service women are to quote be quiet. So here's here's a, such a challenge in this message. And you'll maybe you're this person or maybe you meet Christians like this. Well, I read one verse that said women be quiet. So therefore I'm going to unpack my entire theology around women be quiet. Can you imagine? Some of you maybe could never imagine
1: that, and, and, I, and I sympathize I, with you. I found what I was referring to. It's 1 Timothy 3 when it says, in the so, same way deacons, it talks about deacons, worthy of respect, sincere wine, yada, yada, yada. That's verse 8. And then and then verse 11, it goes, in the same way, the women. And yours says the married women?
2: It just says their wives.
1: Yeah, see, my translation, it's the women. This is NIV. So it's a, that's a translation decision by a translation committee right. to make that nuance. So the original can go either way.
0: So just to finish the point, guys, that, that this is such a great moment. You can see the wrestling in the open dialogue about this right now,
1: live in service. This is wonderful. We want to celebrate What translation this. are you reading? ESV. ESV. Interesting.
0: Awesome. And so, so this is a whole other sub-question we can go into, which is what translations do we use in the Bible? And it's really fun because, did you know this? The scribes, going back thousands of years ago. The scribes, meaning the translators of the Bible, because remember, in the New Testament, they didn't have copies of Bibles. Did everyone track me with me so far? Everyone understand that? You didn't have copies of Bibles. You had copyists who were the scribes who made the translation to the best of their ability. And did you know? Ready? Your head's about to explode. Are you, are you with me? To try and hold on to your faith after this comment. I hope you will. Okay? Some of those scribes made mistakes. Some scribes made mistakes. They did. And you literally have to go in and study your Bible and just look at the editors. And you, the, page one of the introduction of the Bible, there's 150 editors. And they're all brilliant, genius men and women who said, we've done our faithful best to give you the English summary of what the original Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew said. And and sometimes, even though the word of God is perfect, even though the word of God is the inspired word of God, none of that has to change. That's why I say your head's about to explode. None of that has to falter or explode. It's still the inspired, authoritative word of God. But then you just have to, actually, it should inspire some respect. Because it was written by human beings. It was copied by human beings. And sometimes, on non-non-non-vital, vital essential issues, there's a scribal error. It's true. I'm not saying that's Shannon's question. I'm just saying this is what Bucky is actually splitting hairs about, is that you may have one word, women, and one word, wives, and that's an editor's decision for the Bible. Is everyone tracking with me? It's an editor's decision.
1: Here's, here's, another, here's <laughs> new, another nuance to the argument, Shannon. In, in, in Romans 16, when Paul writes and lists the women, he calls Phoebe... A deaconess. So he actually talks about a woman in the role of a deacon. So that would support the interpretation that I'm calling it's it's women generally versus wives. So that's my answer.
0: That's That's my answer, guys. Is you go in and you have to take this, is what you do in Christian life, in Bible study. You have to take one verse and you have to look for any other verse that's talking about that subject and reconcile the whole picture of Scripture. Don't be that Christian. Guy, can we give you that warning? Don't be that believer that goes in and takes one verse and says, oh, I'm going to build a robust theology off of women be quiet. You would be anti-biblical. If you did that, you would be anti-biblical. Because I don't need to re the message, but he just showed a proven track record of women teaching and preaching and giving leadership to men and women. The Bible does both. So you, it may make us uncomfortable. It may affect our Western minds of like, I need the things in neat categories. It's an Eastern book. And it's good that it's that way. It should inspire wrestling and mystery. We can't know it all. So wrestle through it. Here's a great direct question, Bucky. Back to the next question. We've got to move on. At Watermark, would a woman be allowed or accepted to preach on a Sunday morning? Answers, yes. yes.
1: We covered it in the message, yes. Yes, Melissa Anastasia was a member of our staff, and a, gift, a gifted teacher uh, would, would preach. And we had her preach, and we're open to have other gifted teachers preach.
0: That's exactly. the conversation of
1: yeah. T1, T2, yeah. which we got a question coming through on that right away. How does T1 and
0: T2 teaching come into play regarding women pastors and preaching on a Sunday morning? Great. So you want to give the definition again, T1, T2?
1: Yeah, I would say that on a, on a Sunday morning, we would uh, steer away from a woman giving definite declarations about watermark doctrine. Um, that, are, that is not approved by the elders. I mean, obviously, if you're under the authority of the elder structure and the elders have empowered you, Right. See, that's the headship. The elder, if you're in line with the elders and the elders have empowered you, that's not really a problem. It's when you're, you're doing something that might be conflictual with the vision and the value structure of the church. That's where there needs to be alignment. That seems to be what's happening in, in Ephesus. There's this conflict over this doctrinal. And that's when it's the, the role of the elder to step in and define that to create order in the church. That's the headship role, the defense role. So, so that's what I, would I say. love this question, and I'm so happy it came up, because in my notes, I was
0: waiting for this question to come up, okay? What the slide said, the slide gave the answer. The slide said that the, the teaching reserved for men in the church is, is teaching regarding defining, defending, and dying for the gospel. Now, what did you just hear, some of us, who, even myself as a millennial, when I think, oh man, someone's going to be uneasy about this point, or oh man, there might be a woman here who's having a fence. What did I hear? I heard, oh, women aren't allowed to do that. Can you just go through the categories and lenses of your brain right now and just faithfully, kind of humbly do a culture check on where your mindset has been affected by the world and not by Scripture? If you heard anywhere today, oh, women can't do that. If you heard prohibition, just search your heart today, tomorrow, this week, and just say, where's that offense coming from? And I'm not going to belittle or take away from any abuse that maybe a previous spiritual leader or pastor or church member did to you. That's serious, and we want to talk to you and pray through that issue with you. But if all we hear is that I can't do something, guys, the the robust track record of Scripture says that women can talk about, let's just put it in numbers just to help us, 90%. 90% of the subjects, but someone here heard five. We only get to talk about 5%. It's 90 plus percent of scripture, guys. The whole year round, 54 weeks, really because that's when you get the special holiday seasons, 54 sermons we're going to give in a year. And women could touch on 90 plus percent of them. And yet when we're going to come up to, for example, today and give a formal doctrinal position to the church, it's, it's one of the current lead elders and an elder at large, because Bucky's a founding pastor, who are going to weigh into and manage this issue. And let me just tell you a follow-up why we got there using Genesis and even uh, Paul in First Timothy, who's using Genesis. The protect idea, right? Adam and Eve, anyone still hung up on that? Or why is it just a man's job to protect? Because the Bible told me so, and that's also offensive, isn't it? That's how non-binary our world has become. As soon as you say it's uniquely and distinctly a man's job to protect, we're offended. But that's also what the Bible says. So I want you to process in your heart this week, why am I so offended about the Bible's very clearly, inherently binary structure? And, And by the way, here's what it is. Of what we're saying about protect, it's not patronizing, it's not demeaning to women. It just means that me and Bucky are now willing to die for what we said this morning. And we'll take those shots. We don't want to have to have, you know, a woman, and here's the other thing I'm not saying. Let's say a woman came up and gave the doctoral position today. Are we saying, oh no, she wouldn't be tough enough to take the shots? No, we're not saying that. We're just saying the Bible suggests we take them. Are you tracking with me? We're not saying that she's demeaned and she's incapable of dying for the gospel. I pray to Jesus that my six daughters be ready to my six daughters will be willing to die for the gospel. That's my bar for them, is that they'd be willing to die. But the Bible right now never, ever, ever gives an example of a female elder. So we're gonna try our best to maintain that. 1 Timothy 2.12 we just, we just says deacons are Shannon. to be the husband yeah. and one wife. So this yeah. is the passage that we just went through with Shannon. Thank mm-hmm. you for that question. Uh, la, 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 any other questions that are coming through before we just go into prayer? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, guys. Forgive me for being a little bit loud. I know there's like some sensitive things in the room. And like that's why in the ne- la- next 10 minutes we just want to pray. We just want to do ministry. We've got prayer people that want to pray for you, men and women, prayer leaders. We'll Thank do one more. Let's do one more question over here, Isaac Lee. Sorry, Isaac, we got one more here in the front. Great questions. Thank you. Go ahead, Brittany.
3: So I guess this is more of encouragement from both of you. But when I heard that, I will be one of the people who took offense and checked my heart this week. Because I do like, because the Bible said. Mm -hmm. Um, But hearing that women have 90% and not the full 100. What's your encouragement to women in the church? Like, because we can't be 100. I love what, I agree with what you're saying. Right. I just feel like. Just to empower, I don't know, I'm looking for that.
1: Well, I would say there's a place for every woman in this room at Watermark Church, and women are flourishing in ministry at Watermark Church. I I see nothing but uh, women in in roles, the prophetic roles. Um, I pray for the wonderful prophetic woman who's so gifted, uh, Carol, and and, and I I just provide a covering, but she, she does incredible ministry, and she flourishes And she has this beautiful uh, way of partnering with men. And she even says it should be men and women praying together. She even says there should be a complementary role. Mm -hmm. And I just see her flourishing in that role. I see Sherry Eklund flourishing in a role as an administrative leader uh, with Ben and I. Just an incredible flourishing. Uh, I see women that are teachers within our women's ministry, women that are teachers in in youth and children doing incredible teaching Mm -hmm. things. Mm that are often awesome. I see pastoral help and care within the small groups, women flourishing in pastoral care and, and, and issues that are they're walking with, with uh, men and women within the small group. I see so many roles where women are flourishing in a church. I see that there's no hindrance for women in this church. And if you feel there's a hindrance, come and meet with Ben and me because we're going to do everything we can to remove that hindrance so you can be empowered and flourish. We need flourishing women in our church, but we also need flourishing men. Yep. And in my mind in America... This is just my view. The problem is much more that the men aren't showing up, yeah. not the women.
3: I was going to say <laughs> women yeah. lead
1: most of the church in America.
3: I think so. that I agree with Watermark in that. I just think that I, I, you provide that here, but I just think in the scripture mm-hmm. with the, like that we can't be. I don't know. I guess it is that we can't be what men are,
0: right? Yes. So, Brittany, thank you so much for your open wrestling and your vulnerability to say that's where you are this morning. Thank you. That's a great modeling to all of us. I actually think, I was going to make two practical answers. I'm going to come back to them in a second. But I actually think what you're describing is what what God describes in Genesis in chapter 3 in the post-fall. He actually, to a T, what you are feeling and what maybe other women in the room are feeling is what, what God said, Eve is going to feel. And every woman after Eve, living in a fallen world, will feel towards men. And I can I pull up the verse. You remember it? It's like something like they're going to, it's not like rise against, but it's, they're going to have this angst always over and against their, their man, their, their male, you know, head, head. And I think that feeling is what every single one of us is, is going to feel, is that I, I sense think, of fullness. I think
1: we describe it as men, and I see men in trying to lead in the church, they feel less than. We feel less than. Well, women feel less than, too. That's that less than of, of the fall, of the, of the, 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 the brokenness of, of, of the creation. And that less than is with us, and it can only be filled... By God, yeah. So part of that—not by any role, only by God. Part of that is going to be
0: the symptom of the fall, Brittany. But here's my practical thing. That's because you asked for encouragement. Thank you. What an articulate way to put the question. There are two things, and you mentioned the first one, Bucky. First one, any one of you can do right now is test us. Test us in this. Come forward and say, "I'm ready to get involved." (laughs) I, I even think that I could teach and preach. Can you train me and then give me a safe environment to practice? Test us in this, please. We would like to go down this road and have everyone in the church activated in their gifts. But number two, and more to your, your question, Brittany, and I learned this from Mark Rogers. He leads this great class. I'm always happy to feature it. Probably be launching in the fall again called Renewing the Mind. And you know, it's so funny that your brain, you know what your brain always wants to do? You know, like the term seek and destroy. I always think seek and destroy. Your brain has this mechanism that's like a seek and destroy thing. And you know where it always wants to go? The negative. It always wants to go to the negative. And so let's just play with those numbers. They're made up numbers again, by the way. But let's just say it's 90% women could touch on this, all topics, and 10% reserved. Where's the mind going to go? It's going to go to the 10%. And we're going to live out of that place. Discouraged, dejected, less than, inadequate. All of those lies from the enemy are going to seep in. Why? Because aren't we, we permitted our mind to seek that. I'll give you a mechanism for destroying it. Every time your mind goes to that negative bias, that default negative bias, just remind yourself of the overwhelming promises of God over you, man and woman in the room right now as we wind down. Remind yourself that you're a child of God. Remind you your gift of beyond measure. Remind yourself that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Remind yourself of all these biblical truths about who God says you are. This is a great transition, Bucky, for prayer and communion.
1: Yeah, let's just bow our heads as we prepare to take communion. And Father, we just want to sit before you and realize that you are the author, perfecter of life. You created... Uh, men and women beautifully in your image and I just pray that whatever barriers, whatever fears, whatever doubts whatever hurts are there that those things would be removed so that we can flourish uh, here at Watermark in our complementary roles and lead well so that the world might see you in our leadership, our unity and that more life would be produced spiritually in this culture and in our families. So we give you the glory. Thanks for coming and dying for us and valuing us and giving your life for us b- beautifully both. They're, they're, we're all one in Jesus since so we take this bread and this cup and our oneness and unity and we proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode covering the questions and answers from this particular topic. If you have further questions, remember watermarkoc.com slash questions or you can get in touch with a pastor. Go to watermarkoc.com Click on the link for Coffee with a Pastor. We would love to begin a conversation with you.